Sox fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And uh, we're back, or at least I'm back. I wasn't on the last show. Uh, is out of town, and we're going to get you all caught up on the uh, Ducks action and the uh, homestand for the beginning of the season. We're going to talk about some injury news, some player updates, uh, a little bit of league news, and of course, fan questions. We always round out the show with those um, at the end as well. So, to start the season, Eddie, the uh, Ducks, the Wounded Ducks, had a lot of uh, players out. Uh, no Getzloff, no Eves, no Kessler, Botnin, Lindholm, and no Miller. So, the Ducks went into this game against Arizona, Eddie. Uh, without $30 million worth of players. That was something that uh, Phil and I had uh, calculated on uh, Phil's show last week, if you uh, didn't catch it. But uh, we were on there talking about hockey, and uh, the Ducks were missing a lot of players. But they came out in this game against Arizona, Eddie, to start the season. Uh, it didn't look good. Ducks got down 4-1 uh, to one in this game. And, you know, they ended up rallying and coming back. Um, a couple stories to talk about in this one. We got uh, Corey Perry. And the way the Ducks rallied, uh, the power play, and different things like that. But overall, the Ducks were able to come back and win this one, Eddie, five to four. Yeah, I mean, what a great way to start the season too, and and to have a big comeback um, against a, a good young team in, in Arizona that had a, a little bit of a turnover this season, losing two two of the guys we've really known for playing in Arizona uh, for well for Shane Doan his entire career, and uh, for Mike Smith for for the last uh, few years. So. No Smith, no Doan. They come in with uh, a bunch of young guys, and, and the Ducks get victimized by pretty much four of the, the Coyotes' best young guys in Duclair, who is really the duck killer. He, he pretty much scores or, or gets a point in every game he plays against Anaheim. Uh, Clayton Keller gets a goal, Max Domi gets a goal, and Christian Fisher gets a goal. So all the Ducks' young guys, sorry, all the Coyotes' young guys victimizing the Ducks. But, you know, they, they, they make a good effort here, and, and, you know, they're down 4 1 until five minutes to go. Uh, in the second period, uh, and they get two quick ones, one from Perry uh, and then one from Kasha, uh, and that's where they really get back into it. I mean, if it goes in 4-2, maybe four, even 4-1 four, into the third period, um, I doubt they make a comeback. So, uh, I mean, we talked about this multiple times. Two quick goals can, can mean the, the difference going into the third period, and obviously it does, and Cogliano gets one late to tie the game, and, and then Raquel um, gets a, a kind of a lucky bounce, a really bad play. Uh, by by Deming in net, uh, and it kind of just finds its way into the net. And the Ducks end up winning, but uh, I, I know a great, exciting way to to start the season. Yeah, and I think one of the things that fans can be happy about in this game, Eddie, is uh, Corey Perry's play. You know, he ended up getting two goals in this one, uh, one with a little bit of a lucky bounce too, as well. But he got those two. Um, we saw him ruffle up a uh, Deming. Uh, you know, uh, crashing into him for a little bit, and, and Deming wins the Oscar for flopping and uh, turns around and gets in Perry's face, uh, you know, which, of, of course, all the penalties go against the Ducks, which, you know, we all, we figured that was going to happen. Um, we even see Gibson get involved in this one, too. Eddie, um, he has some choice words for Deming, and he gets a 10-minute uh, misconduct as well. So uh, things got kind of crazy, but, you know, I, I think that whole situation and the way it went down, I think it ended up helping the Ducks because they seemed to get fired up and come back in this one. And, and like you said, you know, in the last 30 minutes, they uh, outscored uh, Arizona 4 to nothing. Yeah, and it really came down to the the two lines that we really could only see generating offense uh, when when this game started. It was uh, 
Raquel centering Perry and Cogliano, and then it was, I believe, Vermette centering Kasha and Silverberg. Other than that, you didn't. I didn't really see too much offense going to come from from Bowl and Grant, uh, Richie, Rasmussen, Wagner. So it did come down to the makeshift two top lines that the Ducks had, and and obviously that top line of Cogliano, Perry, and Raquel was was the killer in this game. Each of them had three points. So you know, it, it was a, it was a big effort, and, and you know, it really kick started. Um, you know that homestand in Honda Center. The, the Ducks obviously will. We'll talk about the other games uh, up and down, um, and the next uh, three games after this. But you know what an exciting way to start the season. I mean, across the NHL, it was an exciting start to the season. A bunch of hat tricks. Um, Ovi ended up having seven goals in his first two games. <laughs> so not only this game, there was there was a, a bunch of games that were exciting to start the season. Yeah, absolutely, and, and we'll talk about the Vegas Knights too in a little bit later. In the way that they've started off, you know, three zero and zero, and their home opener as well. And we'll kind of talk a little bit more in detail about that. But um, as far as the Ducks go, the, you know, this game looked good. Uh, special teams was a little bit of an issue, and this is kind of going to be a, a theme for the Ducks so far in these first four games. But they went zero for four in the power play, gave up two power play goals uh, against Arizona, but they ended up pulling this one out. They ended up uh, hosting Philly in the next game. And, uh, you know, another issue, too, for the Ducks has been scoring first. Uh, in this game, Philly scores first. The Ducks, um, you know, get one back. They score. Uh, Philly scores again. The Ducks get another one back. But they ended up, all, you know, ultimately losing this one um, in overtime. Uh, they get another point, though, Eddie. Um, but, you know, uh, kind of a lack of chemistry, again, for the Ducks. Uh, again, you know, they're without all those players we mentioned they're also without richie you know richie left the first game with an injury so the ducks were really sh- even more shorthanded in this game against philly but they're still able to scratch out a point yeah uh, and i mean getting a point when you're you're down that many guys i mean you, you already win game one when you're missing so many guys and you win game or you almost win game two you get get it to overtime and, and at least get a point um it, it's it's impressive in a way i, I mean it, it's disappointing you would like to get the two points but you know, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that the Ducks were going to be without Getzloff and Kessler, Lindholm, Vatten, and Eves, and they were going to, you know, start the season two one and one, I would have been happy. Um, so getting a point against a, a pretty good Philadelphia team, um, you know, it, it, it's good. And, and I think they played a decent game. And I, and I, you know, this was the start of a, a great three game stretch for for John Gibson. He was great in this game. He only allowed three goals on on thirty seven shots. Um, you know, Kasha had another strong game, had a great, um, a great assist on the Vermette goal. And, and, you know, I think it was a good effort from some people, but it's very hard to judge this lineup right now with so many guys out. I I mean, again, the, the top line for the Ducks was Raquel Perry and, um, Cogliano. You had Silverberg and Kasha centered by Vermette again. And, you know, Giovanni Fiore made his debut in this game, but ended up playing on the fourth line there wasn't a lot of. You know places you could draw offense from, so it's it's really hard to judge this team at that point. Yeah, and I think that's you know the case through most of these games. I mean, like you said, the Ducks are shorthanded. They're you know of the four games, this is the one where they had the least players that they could put out there. Obviously, uh, with Richie also being out, and he's still been out uh, the last couple games. But um, you know the Ducks scratched out a point. Uh, they didn't score on the power play again, which <laughs> is going to be a theme uh, happening through all you know the four games on this homestand. Um, and of course they lost in overtime, which we know how great they are at their, uh, overtime play, but still, you know, they got that point, like you said, you know, with a, you know, super depleted team really in these first two games. So three out of four points isn't bad in the first two. And then they, um, 
you have Calgary come to town the next game, and you're thinking, okay, this is going to be automatic. You know, Calgary has not won since the Stone Age. You know, if you if you look at the different records, they hadn't won a regular season game in 25 attempts. If you count the playoffs, they hadn't won 29 games in a row. So you're you're looking at this game and you're thinking, okay, you know, the Ducks are going to get a point. Um, Ryan Getzloff comes back. He plays in this game. But uh, kind of the, some struggles for the Ducks in this one. They go 0 for 5 on the power play. Um, you know, they, they really did pour it on in the third period, Eddie. But uh, Smith was in net for Calgary. And, and we've talked about this before. Um, you know, Smith isn't the greatest goaltender. I know you and Patrick talked about this on the last show. But he, uh, for some reason, he plays well against the Ducks. And, yeah, the Ducks, again, didn't have their full roster. But, I mean, the Ducks poured it on the third period. And, and he didn't let one goal go in. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's the end of an era almost. It, the streak's finally over. Um, and, you know, it takes, it's Mike Smith, of course, who, who ends the streak uh, for Calgary. But, you know, Smith just seems to, to rise to the occasion um, over the last few seasons. Anytime he faces 40, 50 shots, the guy seems to, to just dominate. Um, I don't know what it is. Ducks had 43 shots in this one, couldn't get one past him. Uh, he was great in this game. You know, I, I'm not going to say he was the sole reason that Calgary won this game. The Ducks didn't get a ton of great chances on him. There were 0 for 5 on the power play, so there were some issues they have to sort out there. But he was great and, and really a, a big factor in why Calgary finally ended the streak at Honda Center. Yeah, I agree with you. I think part of the issue was in the third period. Like you said, the Ducks got a lot of chances, but they weren't getting a lot of the secondary chances. They weren't getting to the rebounds as much. Um, or, you know, Smith was blocking the, the puck away from the guys and whatnot. So they had chances, but not necessarily grade A chances. I mean, not not taken away from Smith. He still played a great game as well. But, yeah, you really thought the Ducks were going to win this game. I mean, you know, you're playing the Flames. The Flames haven't won there in, you know, over a decade, basically. And, um, unfortunately, the Ducks, uh, you know, couldn't get it done. Um, you know, not a bad game. They, they, they played kind of average in the first, you know, maybe 30 minutes and then the second 30 they really turned it on but they just couldn't quite get it done and and unfortunately the power play still looks kind of out of sync um like we said the chemistry is still not there on the team yes they got gets off back but you're still missing all these other players and ultimately that's you know kind of going to be the theme for the ducks in these in these uh opening uh homestand and probably for the next you know couple weeks um as they're trying to get more and more guys back you know but one thing we did like in this game and, and we keep seeing it now is you know the old Corey perry is back we see him um just take a beating in front of the calgary net earlier in this game and then uh you know Giordano decides to keep whacking him after the fact and then uh the the next oscar award this week goes to Giordano, who flops down on the ground you know i don't know if it's deming or him who gets the the number one um you know award but they they both get it and uh unfortunately you know um hammock jumps in there and then all this mayhem goes on but in in the end eddie <laughs> you hate to say it and ducks fans know this the ducks get more of the penalties as the end result even though perry was getting whacked up and down all over the ice on that uh series or sequence yeah but he seems feistier this season he seems to to be ready to go no matter what i mean obviously he end up having a, a fight in this game against travis hammock and like you said he got the extra two uh, but yeah, he's he's going to the dirty areas. You know, he's always in front of the net when he's playing. While well. he's he's making uh, life hell for for the uh, opposing goaltenders, and he was doing that to Mike Smith in this game, and you know he did it to to Louis Domingue in, in the first game where he uh, <laughs> ran him behind the net. But 
you know, that's Perry's game. And, and, you know, obviously the offense was really only there for game one. Um, but, you know, it's good to see him playing the style of hockey that we're used to seeing him playing it. And hopefully um, that leads to more offense uh, in the next few games. We're only four games in. So it's, it's you can't really say, you know, yeah, he's had one good game. And after that, he's been bad. Um, you know, he's, he's only getting about three shots a game. I think if he ups that and uh, gets a little bit more pucks to the net, uh, then, then he's going to you know keep scoring more goals. But I, I do believe he'll get hopefully over 30 goals this season. I think he's going to get back on track uh, and, and be one of the leading guys for the Ducks offense this season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, putting him back with Getzloff, you know, he didn't have him for the first couple of games. So, the, you know, they're back together. And then we see in the uh, fourth game against, you know, the Islanders, Eves comes back. So all three of them are out there together. And, uh, you know, this was an interesting game. Uh, you know, the Ducks, obviously, they only play the Islanders twice a year, you know, once here and then once in uh, New York. And in this one, finally, the Ducks score first, Eddie. Um, Andrew Cogano gets the, uh, the first goal on this one. Uh, Islanders answer back. Uh, but then the Ducks get a couple more goals, uh, including Patrick Eves, you know, his first game back, and he gets a goal. So the crowd went nuts on that one, of course. And uh, the Ducks look good in this game. You know, they ended up winning this one 3-2. to two. Um, They could have won it 4-2. to two. Uh, You know, they uh, Grant would have had his first NHL goal, but uh, the Islanders challenged it, and the goal was overturned because of the, the awesome offsides challenge rule that's still intact, which we can kind of go into that a little bit. But uh, overall in this game, Ducks look good uh, winning this one. Uh, again, the only thing is they didn't score in the power play, Eddie, but you know they've got five points out of the possible eight. Things are looking good for the Ducks through the first four games with a depleted roster. Yeah, and really they, they look very good from the second period on, barring a couple of defensive laps. I think Chimera found himself in front of the net alone on John Gibson somewhere in the second period. But, uh, you know, Gibby played great. This is his best game of the season, and, and he made a good save on that one. But the first period, other than Andrew Coglano's goal, was just awful. At one point, I think they were getting outshot about 18-4 to or something like that. So to come out of that <laughs> first period tied at one uh, was was huge for the Ducks. And, you know, Andrew Coglano has... Is, continued a great start to the season he's leading the ducks in points with with five points in in the four games they've played and he had two in this one um gets gets his first two points of the season like you said even and eves in his first game of the season gets a goal which is a good sign because you know that was a hot topic in in the offseason when the ducks re-signed him is is he going to be able to do what he did last year and i mean you get a goal in your first game of the season is always great um so hopefully he can continue that but yeah, it was a good effort from the Ducks. I think I think Gibby was by far the best player of the night. He saved the Ducks on multiple occasions, um, and he's continued a, a torrid start to, to the season. He's been probably, if, if you have to pick one, it, you know it's hard to choose it between Raquel Coglano and Gibson, but I think right now you'd have to say Gibson has is, is been the Ducks' best player so far. Yeah, you know, he, he looks a lot different, honestly. Uh, he looks better. I, I think the first game, he kind of looked like the Gibson we've seen before, letting in a couple iffy goals, ones that he probably should have stopped and whatnot. But these last three games, he, he's really been on. I mean, especially this game, like you said, against the Islanders. There were a couple times that the defense let him down, and he stopped them, you know, and he stopped 39 out of 41 shots. I mean, you, you can't ask for that much more of a better effort. Obviously, a shutout or one goal, but still, that's pretty damn good. Um, you know, against this Islanders team that, you know, they had chances. And like you said, they they were going bonkers in the first period. You really thought, 
you know, oh no, is this going to be like an Arizona game? Because they the Islanders were really giving it to the Ducks in the first 20 minutes, and, and Gibson kept them in there, like you said, and that was huge because then the Ducks were able to turn things around. You know, Raquel gets that goal in the second period, Eves gets one in the third, and they, you know, they go from there and they end up winning this one. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, if you have to pick one guy, uh, and you look at these four games, and, and the reason why the Ducks do have five points in, in you know these eight possible that they could have had, Gibson is, is an extremely huge reason why they've done uh, so well uh, this far already. Yeah, and, and that's what we needed. Uh, I mean, with so many guys out of the lineup, you look at the only one position where you've got you know you don't have a star player out of the lineup, and that's in net. You you've got your starting goaltender in, and he has to be good if the Ducks are, are going to have a good start to the season, and he has been. I, I mean, other than like you said, the Arizona game where he was kind of spotty, wasn't the wasn't the best uh, start to the season for him. But you know he he built on that. He he did well uh, against Philadelphia, did well against Calgary, and then and now he's had his best game against the Islanders where he gets a win. And I think that's going to do wonders for his confidence. I mean, he doesn't seem like he needs any confidence right now, the way he's playing. But, yeah, he, he looks more composed, I think, this season than he has in past. You know, he's not giving up a lot of uh, juicy rebounds anymore. He's controlling them. And he's not flopping all over the place. I, I, I think he's really composed to, to start the season so far. Yeah, exactly. And I think that training that you and uh, Patrick talked about last show has definitely helped. You know, the other issue in this one we talked about a little bit earlier is, you know, the whole coaches challenge thing. As you guys all know, the, the rules change this year. Now the coaches can challenge. But if they're unsuccessful, they get a two-minute, uh, you know, delay a game penalty. So in this one, um, you know, they challenged. It looks like the Ducks finally scored on the power play, which, you know, obviously they haven't. They're 0 for 15 on the season. But uh, it looked like they did on a great redirect by Grant. And then they challenge it. Uh, the Islanders do. And it's it's taken back. And just like you guys talked about in the last show, I, I don't like this this rule anymore, Eddie. I, I thought in the beginning it was okay, but this whole nitpicky stuff, and we saw this in the playoffs too last year, and the whole issue of where the skate is if it's on the ice and whatnot, Eddie, I, I just think it's making a mess of this situation. And, and it's, I mean, they, they put in, you know, the two-minute penalty to dissuade coaches from doing it. But, I mean, it's still there. I, I don't know. What do you think about it? You know, I, I think it's limited to the amount of times it's been used. I mean, it's early, so we'll have to continue to monitor it throughout the, the entire season. But I haven't seen a ton of them this year where, where coaches actually challenged it. You know, obviously on plays like goalie interference uh, and, and to check if the, if the puck's crossed the line, they have to review it no matter what. And I've seen a couple of those, but that's always going to be there. But as for coaches' challenges, I haven't seen a ton. Um, and, you know, I... I like the change i never liked really the rule itself i think it slows the game down a lot they might as well just review right. the play in general um absolutely have it already reviewed and, and then if if it's offside then call it back no matter what if uh, you don't need to have a coach challenge it or anything but in this one they do end up getting the right call and and it is unfortunate i i it's it's the whole um, is your foot off the ice? Uh, even if your foot's behind yes. the line, is your foot yeah. off the ice and it's offside? And, and, and Grant's uh, part of his leg is, is actually onside. So he is onside if his skate was touching the ice, but his foot is off the ice, so it's offside. And, and I've never really liked that. I, I mean, he's technically onside. I mean, his leg is behind the line. He is onside, but his skate is off the ice. And, and you know, it obviously doesn't come back to hurt the Ducks, so it's not a big issue, but. No, I, I to me personally, I don't see why it matters if his skates on the ice or not. His leg is behind the line. To me, that means he's onside. But you know, I don't think the rule is going to change anytime soon. Um, 
So I, I don't really know what they're gonna they're gonna do about that. But for for coaches' challenges, at least they're trending in the right direction. I, I don't think they're ever gonna get rid of it, which which is kind of unfortunate. But at least we're gonna see a lot less of it this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there is gonna be a lot less of it. I just I, I also agree with you on the other part about you know if the skate's off the ice, it's automatically it's like oh well they're off sides, but it's like. You know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, it, you know, it's it's like a 3D thing. Like, hey, you know, you're over it. You're, you're skating, but you're you're still not fully in the zone. I don't know. It, it just creates a little bit of a problem for me. But I think you're right. They're not going to be using it as much, and, and maybe they won't have it, you know, in the future. But, yeah, it hurt the Ducks on this one <clears throat> in terms of, you know, um, not getting a power play goal, and they're still, you know, 0 for 15. But anyways, they still win the game, like you said. Um, you know, another, uh, I guess, bigger story, Eddie, in this game, and, and kind of something that, you know, everybody out there can re- uh, relate to, especially those of you that live in, in the Southern California region or nearby, is at this game, Eddie, the Ducks honored the victims of the Vegas uh, shooting and also uh, some of the first responders at this, um, you know, at this hockey game. And I just, uh, just want to thank the Ducks organization for doing that. There's people that affected us uh, here. You know, our IT guy was in Vegas when that happened. Um, there's coworkers of mine, you know, outside of obviously this, my real job that were actually injured from the shooting as well. So, um, I, I think it was great. The ducks won, um, that, you know, they had people there that some people that hadn't even been to ducks games. You read some of the articles they had talked about it, you know, they'd been ducks fans and they hadn't even gone. And so I, I think it was a, just a great emotional thing for them to do. Um, and, and that's really it, Eddie. I, I'm just really happy and proud of this organization to do that for the, the locals here. And, and a lot of us that live you know, out in this area, you know, we call Vegas a second home. So it's just uh, an emotional win, and uh, I'm just happy the organization did that. Yeah, and it's really continuing off what Vegas uh, did in their home opener where they, they had, um, you know, normally in a home opener they introduced the players. They had um, a first responder uh, walk out with the with uh, each of the players uh, for for their intro. So you know, continuing off that, the Ducks end up doing that and inviting a bunch of them to the game and, and honoring them throughout the game. And I, and I think it was great. Uh, I mean, the whole league has really surrounded um, this Vegas strong initiative, and I, and I think it's been great, not only for the league but but for the Vegas Knights themselves. I, I think you know it's it's. It's unfortunate what happened, but you know, for them to to build as a community, it it's been great. And you know, sports always they they said this on the broadcast. Sports always been seen as a distraction, but it's also a great way to bring people together and form a sense of community. And, and I think that that really hits at home with what Vegas has done with this whole Vegas strong thing. I I think it's been great. And and for for you know, not only um, the Ducks but other teams to to get involved, it, it's been great to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you did not watch the uh, opening of that Vegas home opener, I highly encourage you to go back and watch it if it's replayed or, you know, you recorded it. Um, You know, I I watched most of the game, but I also watched the entire opening. And, uh, you know, talk about a a team doing it right. I mean, Vegas did it more than right. And um, it was just really great to see how they had all kinds of people, medical people, law enforcement, you know, victims, everything. They had all, all kinds of people out there in the beginning uh, with the team, which was, was was just fantastic. And you saw that they changed their boards, too, at the game. They had no advertisements. It was all Vegas Strong stuff. Um, the Ducks also had that, obviously, um, on the uh, the little um, LED lights and, and, and announcements around the arena. 
uh, too uh, in that game uh, against the Islanders. So uh, it's just great. I think it was you know the way that they did it. It worked out. Um, and Vegas, man, uh, this team's been on a roll, Eddie. Uh, you know they're they're three zero and zero. Uh, one of the fan questions was asking, you know, what do, what do we think? Uh, Steven asked about the Vegas, you know, do you think that they're for real? Do you think the Ducks are just, you know, having a little bit of a slower start? Or or what do you think? You think it's uh, too early to tell? What do you think? I think it's too early to tell, really. Uh, I mean, two of the three games Vegas has played have been against Arizona. Uh, Arizona's going to be one of the worst teams um, in the Pacific Division and, and probably in the Western Conference this year. They're they're a rebuilding team, a bunch of young guys on the team. So, so I think it's too early to tell. And a lot of their their offense and defense is surrounded around James Neal and Mark Andre Fleury, which which we knew it <laughs> right? would. I mean, Neal yep. has five of their nine goals, <laughs> and and right. Fleury has right. been unbelievable. Uh, in the first three games, but again, two of them have been against Arizona Coyotes, so it, it's tough to judge them right now, but it's great. Uh, I mean, I think they, they've built off the momentum of, of course, being a new team and, and being uh, in their home arena, and then also around this Vegas strong thing, I think they've kind of just rode the wave, and, and it's been great to see so far, and you know, do I think they're going to be in the same spot they are in 20 games? No, they're probably going to be farther down uh, the Western Conference and closer to the bottom of the Pacific Division. I just don't think the talent is there, but you never know. I mean, this is a team who right now is 3-0. and uh, There's no Shea Theodore. He's down in the minors right now. There's no Vadim Shepachov, who is the the guy they took they brought over from the KHL, who was supposed to be their first-line center. A lot of issues going on there with him right now. He's not even playing with the team. Um, and you've got a guy, a uh, young prospect who they got from Minnesota in the expansion draft, and Alex Took, who's down in the minors, and he's letting it up down there. So they have a lot of good young players who are still in the minors who can come up and, and make an impact on this roster. So there's a good chance they, they could continue to do well, but it's tough to judge right now. Three games into the season, you know, uh, we'll have to wait and see in 10, 15, 20 games. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot going on, you know, in Vegas, obviously, right now. I mean, you have the home opener, you have all the stuff going on, of course, at the Mandalay Bay and all of that. And, uh, you know, like you said, the whole league, you know, rallying around the team. You, you saw the Coyotes tweeting out stuff that was in support of Vegas as well, um, just like everybody else has been, too. But um, I think you're right. I think it's too early to tell um, with them. Like you said, three games, two against Arizona, who's more than likely going to be one of the bottom teams in the Pacific. Um, I mean, it's good. I, I like seeing Vegas do well, you know, um, and they and they have been so far. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like you said, young talent, but early in the season. And uh, I think that's the same with the Ducks, too. You know, I I, I think uh, I'm happy with the Ducks uh, being 2-1-1. One, one. Um, you know, we looked at the last couple seasons. You know, they had a slow start last season. We all remember two seasons ago, the terrible 1-7-2 and two start uh, in 10 games. And for the Ducks now, where they're at, you got to be happy. Yeah, they're behind the Vegas Knights, but I mean, it's early. This team is, is still missing a lot of people. Still missing uh, Kessler. Uh, Miller's getting close. He's been out. Uh, we know that Botnin and Lindholm have uh, started skating. Um, they were projected for November first, which may be earlier than that. We're not a hundred percent sure, but you know, we're getting these guys back. Um, the Ducks did lose Casse, uh, which uh, came out today. Um, they sent him to the uh, injured reserve list. Unfortunately, if you missed that, um, we didn't mention it, but he got hit by a uh, fan favorite, Dougie Hamilton, in the game uh, against Calgary, Eddie. And that was kind of unfortunate. So he is on the IR, so the Ducks are missing him. 
Um, so with all that going on, you know, the Ducks get players, they lose players. You know, I hope this is not the way it's going to go for the rest of the season. But you have to like what you've seen so far in the first four games of the Ducks. Yeah, I mean, 2-1-1 one one isn't bad. I mean, they've got five points in four games. It's not great, but it's not, again, it's it's not a slow start that we've seen in the last few seasons. And, and I mean, obviously the next games will tell. They've They've got three games coming up this week. Uh, they've got the, the the road game coming up against Colorado. Then they've got Buffalo and Montreal. And, you know, Colorado all of a sudden is doing well this season. So that's going to be a tough game going into to the Pepsi Center. And then you've got uh, Montreal and Buffalo who are, who are actually in the bottom of the Eastern Conference right now. But two teams who can turn it around pretty quick with the talent that they have, uh, especially when you're in Montreal and you've got Carey Price in that, there's always a chance to win there. So these are three big games coming up, and, and it's going to be really key to, to their success early on and, and how well their start is. And, and like you said, with a lot of guys at the lineup now, Cash is out of the lineup at least. You know, we've got Eves back, Getzlaff is back. Uh, you've got Raquel, Perry, Coglano, Silverberg. So at least you've got a make you know the makings of, of your regular top six there. So, you know, hopefully we get to see Lindholm and Vaughn back soon. Um, and then, you know, you've got almost 100% healthy lineup. And, and then from there, we can really start to see what the Ducks can do. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this kind of leads us to another uh, fan question. We have one from Matt. He asks, you know, with all these injuries, do the Ducks still look like they can uh, be a lock for the playoffs? And, and again, like we said, it's early. But, I mean, I still think this team is a lock for the playoffs, Eddie. I mean, uh, we've talked about it before the season. Um, we still thought that they would uh, make the playoffs. You know, if they win the Pacific, I think you and I are kind of in agreement. We really don't care. Uh, you know, they win it all the time, and it doesn't really mean anything uh, lately. So, you know, if they end up in second place, I, I, that's not the end of the world. Even if they end up in third place, it's not the end of the world. But I think they still are a lock. And, uh, you know, Dan Rosen had his uh, Super 16 article come out. You know, he does this uh, throughout the season where he talks about the top 16 teams. And basically, those are the teams that would most likely be in the playoffs, you know, given at that time, uh, that point in time of the season. And the Ducks were number 15. So, you know, to see the Ducks in, the, in that grouping with everything that's gone on so far, Eddie, and going back to Matt's question, I still think they are a lock for the playoffs. I mean, where they'll end up, who knows, but I think they'll still make the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, last week, me and Patrick looked at each division, and, and we had the Ducks. Uh, most likely winning the Pacific Division being up there with the Edmonton Oilers. But, you know, I, I think they are a lock for the playoffs if everybody can stay healthy throughout the season, or at least the majority of, of the, the core part of this team can stay healthy. Um, then, then yeah, I think they are. You know, I, I don't think Vancouver is going to challenge much this season. I, I don't think Arizona. I think the Sharks, I mean, they've already started off bad. I, I don't think you know they're going to contend for the Pacific Division title um the Kings again I think they're going to struggle to score goals and, I, and then it comes down to really Edmonton Anaheim and Calgary and there you go I think that's probably going to be uh, the top three in the Pacific Division so yeah I think they're a lock um as for winning it I you know like you said I I don't really care uh, I'm not I'm not too worried about them going out and getting another Pacific Division title yes it would be great for them to do that but you know, the, the, the real goal is to win a Stanley Cup, and that's what the Ducks are striving for before um, this core uh, team's uh, time runs out. So that's what the, the real goal is, and, and hopefully, you know, getting into the playoffs, they can uh, they can go and achieve that this season. Yeah, I agree. And, and the way this, you know, October's gone, you know, I, I mentioned this before, I'm happy if they come out of October at 500. So they're already 2-1-1. One, and one. They've got three more games to go. I mean, if they ended up, you know, 3-3-1, three, three, and one, I would be happy. 
in October, going with all the, the players that have been out and everything that's been going on. And then, of course, more players getting injured, unfortunately. So um, I'm happy with the way that they've done. I think that they can easily uh, stay over over 500. But, you know, in the beginning, uh, going in before we knew what was going to happen with the, uh, you know, these obviously these four games and, and whatnot, the injuries, uh, 500 would have been good for me. So I like what I'm seeing so far in, in overall um, terms of what's gone on in the last week or so. Um, I think one of the issues, uh, and this is what uh, Khalid brings up, and, and you and I talked about this, is you know what happened to the power play unit. You know the, the Ducks were really good at it a couple seasons ago, and they seem to have fallen off. And uh, I think it's a combination of things uh, with this team, Eddie. I think a lack of you know chemistry, which is something that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, they they talk about the goals, they they talk about all the um, the stats as far as puck possession, and, and you know having it in the other team's zone, and the more shots, and all of that you know math and stuff of that you know i'm not really good at but when you look at those things um yeah they weigh into it and they're important you should look at them but i think the biggest thing with this power play unit is you know you're missing some personnel but it's not just the missing of the personnel eddie and you know everybody has injuries but i think it's, it's just the chemistry i think the problem with this team uh you know and the, finally seen it kind of come together in these i'd say the last probably four periods the end of the calgary game and then this islander game is that you know you've got all these different players playing with different you know players we've got some new guys playing you know uh grant fury stuff like that it's just a, a big a big you know just like mess of, of just players in there that i think that's been part of the issue and, and i do think um kind of going back to some of the stuff the ducks have done in the past even with different personnel they've been passing the puck a little bit too much again on the power play which has been another issue so i think those are some of the things that have gone on and why the ducks power play has struggled at least in the first you know four games eddie yeah and, and really i mean they're missing a lot of key parts of their power play i mean Vatnin is is arguably the power play quarterback of the team you're missing him you're missing Lindholm, who's a great puck distributor on the blue line um, you know you're, you're you're really banking a lot on early on in the season on fowler and montour to run the power play and then you've got you know manson maybe other i know boschman's been out there i think bx has even been out there at times now that gets is back he seems to take his spot uh, at the point on the first power play unit with cam fowler um yeah like it's just shifting a lot of things around you're missing a lot of key pieces it's tough to judge the power play right off the bat with all the injuries Uh, i mean we had vermette and grant on the power play i mean they ended up they ended up getting a goal anyway uh that got that got turned over but you know when you have uh, antoine vermette and, and Derek grant on the power play you can't expect too much to to happen and to have a great power play to start the season you know, I think they're not only chemistry. There, there are some issues with with how the power plays run. Like you said, the the passing is off. Um, they they seem to look for the perfect pass sometimes. I think the the passing is sloppy on the power play as well. They don't seem to get set up well, and they, and they can't really get through the neutral zone against a lot of teams. So I think there's a lot of things they have to do to get that going. And and like we've said in the past, I mean, spe- special teams are going to be key to the Ducks' success. And and the penalty kill has been okay. It's gotten better. Um, this it, it's it's been decent this season, but the power play needs to turn around. I mean, to, to have no goals on the power play so far this season, um, that's something that's got to change quicker if they're going to continue to win games. Yeah, absolutely. And you and you mentioned you know shorthanded. You would think the Ducks would struggle more shorthanded without Ryan Kessler, but they've actually been okay shorthanded. You know, they haven't been too bad. So something to work on though is the power play. 
Um, another question we had is uh, from another Eddie. He asks uh, about players and who's you know reached their potential or maybe who hasn't reached their potential uh, so far uh, this season. And you and I kind of talked about some of the ones that have. I mean, we've seen Cagliano, Raquel, and Perry. They all lead the team with uh, two goals each. And as you mentioned, Cagliano leads the team with five points. So those are really the three guys that have kind of gotten off to pretty good starts. I mean, obviously, Perry got most of his points in the first game. But as we talked about, we've seen that pest uh, in him come back out so those are the three that are looking pretty good so far um you know in terms of how they're doing even eves only came back in one game had a goal so i, I think right there Eddie, those are probably your your guys that have come back uh and, and are doing good so far in these opening uh, games of the homestand yeah i think raquel has, has made an impact in, in all the games so far obviously offensively he he only was a factor in, in game one and and the last game but you know, I think he's he's had his chances. He, he's been getting good areas, but he's been creative with the puck. Uh, you know, he's been allowed to be more creative now that he's been in in the center of the ice instead of on the wing. So I think that's going to help him out as well. And, and Cogliano has been uh, unbelievable to start the season. He's been a factor in, in each and every game, not not just offensively but defensively. He's got leading the Ducks with five points in four games. He's plus four. You know, I I think he's been great so far. Right. And then um, you got to look at Josh Manson, too. I, I think defensively is, is where we look to, to see him excel. Um, and I think he's done that well. But, you know, he also has three assists so far through, through the first uh, four games. So I think that's a, a big, you know, reason for his success so far. And obviously him being paired with Cam Fowler is great. And, and that's the go-to unit for, for the Ducks right now. But, yeah, I, and, and before he um, was hurt, I think Andre Kasha was was doing very well for the Ducks. Um, you know, he he's got a great engine. He he really drives the play on any line he gets put on, and and I think that's why we saw him for a bit up with Getzlaff and Perry, and he, he can really fit in on any line with this team and, and instantly make that line better. So you know, obviously he's on the injured reserve right now, and hopefully we can get him back fast because he had a a pretty hot start to the season. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in terms of uh, players that you think aren't doing as well, uh, some of them I'll throw out there. Uh, these, these these two are probably the obvious ones, Eddie, and, and most likely the fan favorites. Uh, Bieksa and Bull will probably be the two up there that a lot of people will, will look at and say that haven't done as well on this team. Is there anybody else that you would look at as maybe getting off to a little bit of a slow start so far this season? I think if you're, you're going to look at guys who you would have expected to do better, I think um, offensively for Jakob Silverberg, I think we would have expected him to, to do a little bit better. He has one assist in, in the first four games. No, defensively, I can't fault him. I, I think he's been great defensively um, through the first four games, but you know, you'd know, expect him to at least have a goal or a couple of points uh, to start the season. Uh, and then I think Brandon Montour as well. Um, again, defensively, I think he's had his moments and he's been good. And then occasionally he, he's missed assignments or, or he's um, been poor defensively. But again, um, you know, he's got one assist through the four games. He was one of the guys we expected to quarterback the power play this season with Vatanen being out. Uh, and he, he's had some good looks but he hasn't taken the reins yet, and that's something we need from him in the next coming games if we're going to, one, spark the power play, uh, and, and two, get, drive some more offense coming from the blue line. Yeah, I agree, and that kind of leads into another question you kind of hit on. Uh, Josh asked about players stepping up, and I think you're right. I think the ones that really need to so far on this roster, like you said, Silverberg and Montour, they're kind of the ones uh, that need to get it going. 
uh, you know, more often. And I think Perry, to some degree, uh, like we said, he had a really good first game. He's been a pass, but I'd like to see him start getting some more goals as well. So those are some of the players I, I'm, I'm looking to maybe hopefully get things going. I'm also looking forward to Eves, too. I mean, it's only been one game. We'll have to see another one, too. But he, he's out, as Kosh say. You know, he, you know, he already had a goal and assist. So that's another one when he gets back to look for as well. Eddie, any other players uh, or even those same ones you think uh, you know would be ones to watch here in the upcoming week or two? No, I, I mean, I, I think, like you said, Perry is a big one. He had a great first game, two goals and an assist. And, and then offensively, the, there hasn't been anything for, for the last three games. And I think a lot of that comes down to, I think he has to shoot the puck a little bit more. He's only got 12 shots in, in the first four games. I think he can benefit from getting more pucks on net. Um, but other than that, I, I think you know having Eves back is going to help. Like you said, he had a, a goal in his first game. And, and the top nine is starting to take shape. Um, of course, Richie is still out of the lineup, so when he gets back in, uh, we'll have to judge his impact. And, and hopefully, uh, Kasha isn't out too long. And, and then after that, you know, you've, you're know you going to have Getzlaff, Perry, and Eves. You're going to have Cogland over Kel, Silverberg, Kasha for Matt and uh, Richie. Uh, so Kasha, yeah, Kasha for Matt and Richie. And I, I think that top nine... Uh, at least until Christmas when Kessler comes back, it is a pretty formidable top nine to, to have. And, and I think it's going to come down to chemistry. But you know, if the, the Ducks can work without it and the guys can continue to excel and, and, and step up, you know, they're going to have a, a pretty good stretch in, until Ryan Kessler gets back. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I, I think that's the key. You look at all those players, and you have all those in the lineup, uh, you know, even minus uh, Kessler, it's still going to be uh, you know, good. And if you look at the way the Ducks have done so far, um, you got to be happy with what you've seen, especially compared, like we said, to the last couple seasons. Uh, one other little news that came out, Eddie, not big, but the Ducks didn't make a trade, kind of a minor league trade. Uh, Tokarski went to Philly. The Ducks got uh, Leland Irving, and he's going down to San Diego. So a uh, little bit of a move early in the season. Nothing really big, just kind of a goalie swap. You know, uh, Miller's been injured, so Bear has been up backing up. Uh, Gibson for now, but what, that'll change once Miller comes back. But that's that's the only other real news that's happened with the team uh, recently. Yeah, and really nothing. Like you said, nothing big. Um, you know, Tukarski ends up going. Wasn't really going to ever see any time with the Ducks, especially with Barra and Miller, and and then obviously Gibson in front of him. Um, and then we have another goalie coming back. And it, like you said, it's a minor league deal. Nothing that's going to affect the Ducks short term or long term. So um, that's why really wasn't much wasn't really heard of the deal. And, and both were trades for future considerations. So nothing really headliner to to report. Yeah, and if you have a jersey out there with future considerations on the back, I want to see it because that's a lot of letters <laughs> <laughs> to try and put on a jersey. Um, some other news uh, around the league. Uh, Yarmer Yager is back. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with the Calgary Flames. We did not see him in that game, Eddie, but he did play in the next game against the Kings in which Calgary did beat the Kings, so I know a lot of you will be happy about that. But it's uh, good around the league, you know, to have Yager back. Um, you know, he played uh, a little over 13 minutes, didn't have any points. Said he's, you know, got to get a little bit back uh, into the flow of the game, Eddie. But I think a lot of people are happy to see him back. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, yeah, after the last game, he said, you know, he doesn't feel he was 100% ready for for being back. And, and you know, it, it's a tough team to break into. It's a very fast, young team. 
uh, in Calgary, and it's going to be interesting to see how well he does. I mean, he's 45 now, and <laughs> I, I'm I'm very interested <laughs> to see what kind of role he's going to play in the team. Obviously, it's going to be a leadership role for sure, but um, where he's going to slot in with and what line he's going to play on is interesting for me. You know, they've obviously locked down a line with Kachuk, Backlund, and Froelich. They've got Monaghan and Goodrow together. Um, you still got guys like Sam Bennett, and there's there's a lot of options for where he could slot in with this team. Um, I think he benefited a lot playing with Barkov and Huberto last season. Um, I think that's why a lot of teams were hesitant to go out and get him. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact he has. And Calgary's had a good start to the season. I mean, they're 3-1-0 right now without Yager. Essentially, he did play uh, in the last game, so he, he was in that game. But, you know... Um, I don't think he's going to have a huge impact, but um, as for him as a, a guy and, and just the legend of a player that he is, it, it's great to see him still in the league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he's an icon. He's funny. He's, he'll bring leadership to the locker room. And, you know, we'll still get to see him. You know, obviously the Ducks are going to play Calgary again this season, so hopefully he'll um, be good to go later on, and we'll see him, um, you know, at Honda Center in a future day. Uh, so, you know, it's good to see him back with his uh, his mullet crew as they showed up on their Twitter. They, you know, they had the traveling uh, Yagers, which is pretty hilarious. If you didn't see it, check out Twitter. There's some funny photos on there of him walking around with some of those guys. So he's just a character, and a lot of people are happy to have him back. And um, some uh, only a couple other little minor things. Uh, the Penguins, you know, they visited the White House. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about that, but they went there, uh, you know, obviously because of the Stanley Cup champs from last season. Um, we'll see how they do this year. They've kind of been struggling, Eddie. Uh, you know, the first couple of games, they kind of literally got their butts kicked. Um, and I know they just lost to Tampa Bay 5-4. to four, So I don't know how they're going to do. You know, that's kind of my other team that I like. But, you know, I don't I don't see them uh, repeating as Stanley Cup champs. I really don't. I think they'll make the playoffs. But, you know, I know they talked about them, you know, how great it would be to be, you know, win three and, and, and obviously in the – salary cap era and all that stuff and the, you know it's not as easy as in the past you know when we talk about some of these other teams you know detroit and the islanders and, and some of these powerhouses um what do you think as far as the penguins chances this year you know they're, they're kind of turning over on the fly and it's, it's something that detroit did so well for so many years and that's why they continue to make the playoffs year after year after year and you've, you've got young guys like Jay Gensel now who's, who's going to have to step up and play a big role Connor Sheary, uh, Brian Rust you know Oli Mata on defense uh, Brian Dumoulin a lot of guys are going to have to step up and, and play bigger roles and, and this is the first season for, for Matt Murray where he has no Marc-Andre Fleury to fall back on it. and he really hasn't needed him other than when he got injured but you know, it, a lot of guys are going to have to step up and do well for the Penguins, and, and yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. And, and I think yeah, when they get into the playoffs, they obviously have that experience now where they can go and, and they can make a run. And they've they've obviously got Crosby and Malkin, uh, they've got Kessel, so they, they've got a lot of offense there. And, and there's always a chance. Um, you know, are they favorites? No, I think there are some better teams, but you know, they've got that experience and, and, and they've got that confidence. To, you know, they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to be a hard team to beat. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I think they'll still make the playoffs and be a tough team to beat. But <clears throat> as far as them going all the way, eh, I don't think so. I, I, I don't, you know. I'm not going to throw out the homer card on them. I don't think that they will. <laughs> um, one other thing that came up, you and uh, Patrick kind of talked about this uh, last uh, podcast, and, and, and it finally hit the NHL, but uh, we did have one anthem protest. Uh, it was uh, JT Brown of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And... Um, 
you know, it's it's been a hot topic, obviously, and a lot of people feel different ways. Uh, you know, you, you either think strongly one way or another. We're not really here to to support either side. We just try to present both sides, and you guys can decide for yourself. But I think the interesting thing about this, Eddie, is is when we compare the leagues, and th- and this is kind of the thing that irritates me is I um, is how different leagues are, are are coming up with things, and some aren't. And uh, you know, Bettman already came out for the NHL and said, hey, you know, it's up to the players; they can do whatever they want. Um, you know, freedom of speech, yada, 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 which is great. He's, he's saying, you know, if you want to do it, yeah, go for it. And um, that's what Brown did. He didn't kneel. He had his, his fist up in the air. And, uh, you know, we've seen this in the NBA, too. We've seen um, the NBA saying that they want the players to stand. And then, you know, but if you want to put your fist up or lock arms or do other things, you can do, you know, they're not saying you can't protest in other ways. They just want you to at least stand. So, you know, that's kind of what's been going on now. And then, uh, obviously, the whole thing that started all this mess has been the NFL, which they can't figure out what to do, uh, which is it's kind of been annoying. And, and that's what I, I'm not really happy about with, with football. It's, it's not the fact that the protests are happening because, like, again, that's that's your right and you're able to do that. That's what makes the United States a great country. That's the First Amendment right. So, And there is no law against it, no matter – and I'm not taking sides. I'm just saying that's the way it is. There's, there's rules that are, are – guidelines and they say that you should stand and do these things but there's no hard fast law there's no penalties anything like that which who knows what trump's going to do maybe he'll try and change that but um you know it's just kind of interesting that this this comes up now that did reach the nhl i don't i don't think it'll hit the nhl too hard but uh you know i the guy decides to do what he wants to do and i just hope i think the biggest thing you and i talked about this is it's not so much that people are doing it but we got to fix things you know we gotta people are getting the message out and it's already been out there, but it, it's it's translated into 500 different things, unfortunately. And I think that's part of the problem, Eddie. It's just been convoluted. Yeah, and, and to start, I, I mean, for J- JT Brown to do that, it, it's extremely brave for, for him to do that and, and be the first guy Absolutely. to come out and do that uh, in the National Hockey League. And I, I think it was great in, in the way he did it. It wasn't obnoxious. It wasn't... You know, right. he wasn't. He was just trying to, to to you know get a message across and and using his platform to do that. And and I totally respect that. And and to be honest, you know, when I was talking about this last time, I was worried about the type of reception it would receive in the media and and the way the media would would spin it and the stories that would come out. And and to be fair, I've actually been pretty impressed with the way they've they've presented it so far. I think they've done it in a respectful and professional way. Um, you know, I was worried that we would see the kind of type of stuff we've we've seen in the NFL, where it all centers on on the player and and how he's disrespecting this and and how it, it it's you know uh, th- just that kind of stuff. I, I was worried about and, and and it hasn't come to that yet, which which I'm I'm happy about and and really we've been able to focus on not just JT Brown but the message itself. Uh, and I think that's the whole point of it. I, I mean, the whole point of them doing this is to draw attention. Uh, and, and awareness to, to the message. And I think, you know, with the way it's happened in the NHL so far, I think it's been great and it's been able to do that. And unfortunately, it hasn't been able to do that in all sports. Um, and I completely agree with you with, with it muddying the waters in the way the media presents it. And, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, it, it's it's how it's happened so far. Um, but I'm I'm proud of the, the way the media has presented it um, for the NHL so far, and, and the, you know the the way it's come out um, uh, has been good and, and been positive and, and brought light to the issue. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that's the biggest problem is we we need to get away from 
you know, um, what to do during the anthem. Obviously, you're going to have an opinion one way or another. I'm not here to tell you that, hey, you need to stand or you need to protest. I mean, that's a, a individual choice. Like I said, there is no law against it, whichever way you look at it. I mean, me, I stand. That's what I do. But, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell someone else what to do or not do. The thing is, is we need to get away from all that, and we need to get back to fixing the problem and working together and making the country better. That's the key. we got to stop arguing with each other about how to protest, stop tearing each other apart and tearing each other down, and we got to build each other up. we got to figure this stuff out, and, that, and that's the key. you know. And, and that's, I think, one of the things I, I, I liked about starting this whole thing, Eddie, is you know, um, <clears throat> you know, this was all just some silly idea to make some T-shirts and, oh, yeah, cover the ducks, whatever. And in doing this, um, you know, I've met people, well, for one, you, hello, you know, you're over there in Canada, uh, you know, and I've made friends with other people over in Canada, made friends with people, Australia, Europe, I mean, all over the world, you know, you meet all these people, you make friends, and everything's, you know, good. I mean, we're not all going to agree on everything, of course, that's the way the world works, but we respect everybody, we try to work together, and I think... As if the media could do that in a better sense, then we'd be a much better off country in a better place. And, and that's the only thing I, I have to tell you. You may disagree uh, one way or another uh, about this whole issue. Obviously, it's really heated. There's people on each side. I, I don't get mad at anybody about anything because it's, you know what, it's your choice. And that's the way it is. But I think the biggest thing is don't fight with other people. Try to work together. And, and have those discussions and, and make everything better. And I think if we do that and, and, and the way the NHL, the media's done it, I think it's been a good job. Just like you said, Eddie, I think we'll just be better off in, in, uh, as a whole. Yeah, and really it, it's, it's a simple fix. Um, not, not, sorry, not the issue is a simple fix, but if, if for, for argument's sake for people debating it, you know, just do some research. Find what the issue is. Find the reason that players are protesting. Understand why they're doing it and what it's about. And and then it's easier to deal with the situation. Because from what I've seen, a lot of people have no idea what's going on. And, and most of the blame has to fall on the media. Uh, I mean, the actual issue and the reason players are doing this rarely, rarely gets put out there. And, and it's because it, it is a, it's a hot topic. It is difficult to discuss in an article on a you know on a, a website like NHL.com, NFL.com, whatever. It's it's difficult to come up and, and discuss those topics. You usually th- see things centered on the player, uh, centered on why they're doing this. Well, you know how it's bad that they're not standing during the national anthem whatsoever, and and I just plead people who don't understand just to to do some research, to understand why, the, why they're doing this, what the message is, and, and just have a better understanding of why it's happening, um, so that we don't have to deal with it, so there aren't arguments, so there aren't debates, so we're not split apart um, on, on the issue. Yeah, absolutely. And it's unfortunate that, and this isn't everybody, but certain people in the media have decided to to make it such a big issue and it's it's making people more divisive instead of together. So it's unfortunate. And, you know, at a time like this too, Eddie, there's a lot going on in the world. And I know a lot of you out there, we talked about Vegas. Um, I, I, like we said, we, we were affected here with our IT guy. There's other people that we work with outside of this that were there. I know that there's those of you listening that either know somebody or you were there. Um, and then, you know, it hit home too. this last week. We had all these fires all over the state of California. Uh, you know, we even had them in Anaheim. Um, and I know that there's fans affected by that. I almost had to evacuate my own parents, uh, and their animals and everything out their house. The fire was only about a mile 
uh, or so from their house. Um, luckily, nothing happened to them. I feel bad for all the other people that that did lose their homes or lost part of their property, whatever did happen. You know, and I and I think that's the other thing we got to look at. There's a lot going on in this world. You know, all these crazy hurricanes and all this stuff. That life's too short. You know, we got to work together and help each other out. Um, that's something that you know we try to do here too. And uh, we've uh, donated to um, you know the Vegas incident. We uh, donated to the fires too. And that's that's one thing we'll put in the article like where to go. But I just briefly mentioned that if you want to help out too, you can go. There's a GoFundMe page. Uh, if you go to their website, look up Las Vegas Victims Fund, look up with the one that has the uh, Vegas government on there. They're the ones that put it together. Um, and uh, like I said, we'll post the link on there. Also, for if you want to help people um, for the fires and whatnot, you can go to redcross.org slash donate. And you know you can help anybody with the fires You know here in Orange County or, or across the state because there's just been so many. It's been crazy. Uh, you know, those ones up in Napa devastated several neighborhoods, which is terrible. So there's a lot of these issues going on, and we encourage you guys to get involved. And, um, you know, that's one thing I I think I like about doing this too, Eddie, is, you know, we talk about sports, and we talk obviously about hockey and all that the most, but we try to help people out in the community as well. And I think that's, uh, you know, a good thing to do. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of money. Uh we're not that successful, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, but we do try to help people when we can, Eddie. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's the great thing about sports in general and, and doing things like we're doing here is is it brings people together. Uh, I mean, yes, it's a distraction and, and it's a way to get away from, from the things happening in life, but it's also a way to focus on those things and, and bring people together instead of separate people apart. And how many times have we seen it? We see that we saw that with, with Boston Strong, with, with the Boston Bruins and the Red Sox and everything after, after the, the Boston and then we're seeing it now with Vegas strong and um, with the whole league centering around the, the Vegas Knights and the efforts there um, for, for the victims of the tragedy in Vegas. So, I, I mean, it's just great for everybody to, to come together around sport. And, and it, you know, it, it's such a great platform for people to get together, come together and, and be a community. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what, uh, you know, we try to do on here, too. You know, we reach out to the community here as well. Obviously, a, a majority is uh, SoCal fans, but we know that there's people around the world as well that listen to us because we talk about the Ducks and there's Ducks fans. Not, I mean, a majority are here, California, but obviously everywhere else. So um, with that, we're going to, you know, wind up this show. Uh, this is the first one. Uh, of the actual official season it's kind of the format we'll have if you hadn't listened to the show before that's what we usually do we go over the uh the games that they played uh injury news any kind of uh, roster moves anything like that we talk about uh the league news and then we usually end it with fan questions or sometimes we sprinkle them throughout the show but that's kind of the format uh with the way we'll um do each show on a weekly basis or maybe a week and a half depending on how the uh the schedule pans out for the season and, uh, you know, with that, uh, we appreciate your support. Uh, make sure you support everybody out there and love each other instead of tearing each other down, as we talked about. And we'll be back in a week. Let's go, Ducks.